0: All right, wasn't that wonderful? And uh, thank you, Mrs. Coleman, Mrs. Blumenthal, thank you, Richard. Great music, the music good tonight? And uh, very encouraging, praise the Lord for that. And uh, take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go back to Philippians uh, chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4. And um, Sunday nights are always uh, time to kind of put your, let your hair down and, and uh, a little more relaxed and... Uh, there's no lunch rush to get to. Uh, only thing left now is your peanut butter and jelly sandwich before bed tonight. And uh, you've got plenty of time for that. And um, so we're going to go into tonight and finish up uh, rejoicing uh, no matter what. And uh, tonight, uh, we talked about this morning, looking at the theology of rejoicing. And tonight, we're going to look at the practice of of rejoicing, the practice of rejoicing. And uh, just wanted to just uh, refresh your, your minds a little bit before we jump into it. And uh, if you remember that from this morning, uh, my sermon in a sentence is what I do in my messages, kind of a, a summary of where we're going. Uh, we said that God's design for your life and my life is not to make life about pursuing happiness. That's not to be our pursuit, but to possess and practice joy, and uh, so this morning we saw the the possessing of joy that you cannot rejoice until you possess joy, and uh, we looked at that. And so tonight uh, I want to go into the second half of that, which is the practice of it. And uh, what is what do we do when we practice uh, rejoicing? So look back at Philippians if you would, and uh, and tonight we're going to look at practice the outward expression. Practice the outward expression. So we'll go back and we'll read just verse 4 for tonight. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Would you read that with me out loud? Let's try it together. You ready? Begin. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. And uh, that is we talked about this morning that is an action. It's a present, active imperative. It's just not a suggestion that Paul's giving, but it's a command. It's it's a, it's an attention getter. It's hey, you need to rejoice, and and this is something you need to be doing in your life, a practice in your life, and so. If, uh, if you were to go back and look, and, and, and this, will, this will really help you as you read through Paul's writings. If you go back to Galatians, which has six chapters. If you go to Ephesians, has six chapter has five chapters in Galatians, six chapters in Ephesians, four chapters in Philippians, four chapters in Colossians. There's something you find that is consistent in Paul's writing. The first half of every book that Paul writes is a theology. This is, this is the, the, the foundation of what is you're, you're to believe. And then the second half of every book is the practice. How do I put into practice what he just said I need to have a theological understanding of? And so chapter four of Philippians is, is that everything's about practice. And so just real quickly, go back up and I'll, I'll show you real quick. He tells them in verse number one, uh, he's praising them. And, and then he tells them in verse 2 and 3 that they need to, to work with these ladies. And then verse 4, they need to rejoice. Verse 5, let your moderation be known. That word moderation simply means your, your patience, your, uh, your, your kindness, your generosity. Let it be known to all men. That's a practice. Uh, verse 6 Be careful for nothing. In other words, don't let your life be ran by anxiety, but pray. Verse 7, so that the peace of God can pass understanding and will keep your hearts and mind. Verse 8, whatever things, he lists that that whatever things passage. And he tells us in verse number 9, think on these things. See, these are practices that we are to have daily in our Christian life. See, rejoicing is not a Sunday thing. Do you see that? Rejoicing is not something I do on Sunday when I come in and we, the, the, uh, you know, Brother Richard gets up here and the choir gets up here and the, the singers get up here and, oh, now we're to rejoice. No, rejoicing is a Monday through Sunday thing. It's something that I'm to be practicing in my Christian life. Now, here's the problem, church. And it's a problem that I think is a, is a big problem for all of us. What does that look like? What does rejoicing actually look like? Is it raising my hands in church? Is it saying amen? Is it, is it saying praise the Lord? Is it, uh, uh, is it following brother Blumenthal and speaking in Hebrew? What, is, what does rejoicing practically look like? And here's the amazing thing that God did. He didn't tell us. Now, I'm going to show you some examples of rejoicing, this word, but there's no, this is what it looks like for everybody. Meaning this, this is what I take from that. It's individualistic. Meaning it, it has a lot to do with your makeup, your personality, who you are. Uh, there's some of you in here today, if I even asked you to raise your hand, you wouldn't do it. This is about as how high you'll get. You know? Others of you, if I said raise your hand, you're a two hander. You're both going up. Amen. All right? Brother Blumenthal adds an amen to his two handers, okay? I mean, so everybody is different. And so here, here's what Paul is wanting us to understand. Your practice of rejoicing is between you and God. It's not for everybody else to see. It's not to look like everybody else's. And, and we're not to be judging our rejoicing against one another's. Paul said, to Corinthians, it's not wise to compare ourselves with ourselves. So I'm not tonight giving you this is what it should look like. And then Sunday when pastors get back, when pastor comes back from Las Vegas, you're going to start doing something. He's going to pass out up here. <laughs> Thinking what happened to my church? Okay. We're not doing that tonight. What I am wanting to, to show you tonight is that whatever rejoicing looks like for you, do it. Make it a practice in your life. So let's, let's dig in uh, to that uh, tonight. And so uh, the word here that Paul uses uh, in verse 4 is the, the Greek word uh, kairo. And, it, it, and, and kairo is an expression of just... Uh, uh, Not just a a feeling you have. We're not talking about just feelings. Did you hear that? There are days I don't feel like rejoicing. Amen? About 4 o'clock tomorrow morning when I typically roll over in bed and get up about 5. Most days are not that time of morning, my time of rejoicing. Uh, so, we're not talking about a feeling. Re- re- Rejoicing, this word, Cairo, is not just a feeling you have, but listen, the word means it is a choice you make. Rejoicing is a choice that you make in your life. Not a feeling, though, watch this feelings can be involved, but it's not a feeling. It's a choice that you and I must make based on what God has done and is doing in the happenings in your life. Rejoicing is not just a feeling, but is a choice you must make based upon what God has done and is doing in the happenings in your life. Simply put, to rejoice is a choice. Would you say that with me? To rejoice is a choice. It's a choice you make. It's a decision that you make every single moment of every single day. So when, so when the bad news comes or the circumstances become difficult, rejoicing is not based on my happenings, but it is based on a choice I make because I know God is in control. And so I choose to rejoice. I choose to express that gift from God that is in me. So let's look, uh, let's, let's see some, uh, some practicalities of this. And, and guys, turn to that next slide if you would. Uh, I think it's 1 uh, first, uh, first Peter 1. There we go, uh, another one, do the next one. There we go. Right there. First Peter chapter one. And uh, let's go to first Peter one and let's look at some, some practicality here. So we, do we know who Peter is? We know who Peter is. Now look, this thing will go a whole lot faster if you help me out. All right. I know it's Sunday night. I know you didn't take your nap. You had a heavy lunch. And uh, listen, there's no football on tonight. There's no reason to get home. All right. And so uh, you, you, you help me out. We'll get we'll get through it. So uh, Peter, we know Peter. Peter was one of Jesus's 12. There we go. Thank you. Uh, he's a disciple. And now you're, 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 you're coming along. Thank you. And so uh, he's, he's one of the disciples. He's writing this letter to the scattered believers, the Jewish scattered believers and, and look at verse 6, the very introduction of his letter. He says, wherein ye greatly, what? Rejoice. rejoice. Now, we're going we're to go back to the few verses ahead of this. But he's telling them, you are greatly rejoicing, verses 3, 4, and 5, because of Jesus and what Jesus has done for you. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though, although... Now for a what? Season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So, let's let's work through this just for a few minutes together, okay? Let's tear this verse apart. So, wherein ye greatly rejoice. The idea there is you are, hey church, you are Christians, you are jumping for joy. Man, you're excited. You, you're the, the joy of the Lord is overwhelming inside of you. You're just overflowing with the goodness of God and the greatness of God. What he's doing in your life. Like we sang about just a minute ago. Like Brother Richard said, Jesus died for you. You recognize your sins are forgiven. You recognize he's removed the penalty of sin from your life. He's put his joy. He's put his life into you. He is for you. He's not against you. You are overflowing with joy. You're jumping for joy. But notice what he says, though, although now for a season, how long is a season? Typically in our time to seasons, like three months, four months, it's a short period of time. He says, you're, you're jumping for joy in this particular season of your life right now. That, notice what he says, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. He says you are jumping for joy in this particular time in your life when you are experiencing the grieving process or over being overtaken by sadness. That is the idea there of heaviness and manifold temptations trials. He says, you are in a season of being just overly flooded. Here's how we would say it. It just seems like it is one thing after another. You ever been there? I mean, the kid gets sick, the car breaks down, the hot water heater blows up. And it just feels like it's one thing after another, after another, after another. And he says, listen, you are in that season in your life right now. I, I, you know it. I know it. And still you are jumping for joy. Now, would you say with me that if we're in that season of it's one thing after another, I don't think I'm typically jumping for joy. I typically have that complex of woe is me. I can't catch a break. Life is terrible. Life is bad. God, give me a break. Come on. That's typically our responses, aren't they? You can shake your head. Let me see something rattle. Alright. That that we don't always jump for joy like like Peter's describing that these Christians were. Now, he says, This is this is where you're at. Why are they jumping for joy? Why are they rejoicing? Look at verse 7. That the trial of your what? Faith. faith. The trial of your faith. Walking with Jesus is a trial. It's the trial of whose faith? Your faith. Amen. Their faith is being tested. Amen. And, and notice what he says here about them. He says, why are they rejoicing? Because of the value that my faith is to God. Look at what he says, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Do you know how God sees the testing and the trying of your faith? He puts such a high value on the trying of your faith. That the response that these persecuted Jewish believers are responding with is they're jumping for joy Amen. because they see the value that God places on their faith. Amen. You know what he's saying? God is for you. Amen. God, I like how one preacher said it. God's not trying to kill you. He's really not. He's trying to cure you. Amen. He's trying to grow you. Amen. He's trying to get you to to see him bigger than how you see him right now. And he places, these believers see the high value that God is placing on their faith that they are jumping for joy so much. He says, though it be tried with fire, may be found under the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. They're rejoicing because of the value that their faith is to God. They're also rejoicing because of what Jesus is to them. Go back to verses 3 and 4 of chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. Why are they rejoicing? Look at what Jesus is for them. He is their life. He is keeping them through his power. They've inherited something that is incorruptible and undefiled. It'll never go away. It is reserved for eternity for them because of, Jesus. Why could they rejoice? Because they have Jesus. Jesus has a value on their faith. Jesus is a value to them personally. And then notice what he says in verse 8 Whom, talking of Jesus, we've not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable. And full of glory. Here's what he said. Your joy is so overflowing that you do not have the words that are uttered that can be understood. Now, I don't, I don't believe in speaking in tongues as the charismatics do. But there's a place. Now watch this. Peter is describing a place that you can get in your walk with God that you are so overwhelmed by what God is doing in your life that even in the testings of your life, your rejoicing can be so overflowing that you cannot even find the words to describe the joy that you have in your life. That is a remarkable place to be. That is the place where, watch this, he wants us all to be. And not only was it full of unutterable words, but it also was full of glory, meaning it was fully giving back to God an accurate picture of himself. So my rejoicing, watch this, my rejoicing was not some some, uh, radical, out-of-control presentation but my rejoicing is in such a way that I am so overwhelmed by the the trial of my faith that God is actually working in my life he he values my faith so much that he's allowing this to happen and yet I am still jumping for joy I, I don't I can't even describe what I I'm what's going on in the inside and yet my actions in my life and my being are reflecting back to God how accurately he is in my life. And others are seeing it. Can you see? We're not talking about something that's out of control. We're not talking about something that's uh, that happens just on a Sunday. We're talking about a way of life. This is how we do life as followers of Jesus. Do you see that? That that is that is the practice of rejoicing in sorrow. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. I'm, I'm going to shoot through these other ones just real quickly. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. He tells us that we're to rejoice as a community. That passage there talks about us weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. So how are we, are we to rejoice in community together? Absolutely. There should be a time when we all come together and we rejoice together. In the goodness of God. Uh, Philippians 3 and, and verse 3. If you can flip back to Philippians and look there, he tells them in Philippians 3 and verse 3, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Our rejoicing should be done in our worship. We should be rejoicing in in our time of worship, uh, rejoicing in our community worship when we come to church on Sundays, but also it should be a time of rejoicing in our personal worship. I don't know how you spend time with God. I don't, I don't know what you call it. Daily devotions, your quiet time, your private time, your prayer time, whatever it is, when you worship God in that time, that also should be a place where you rejoice. Then he tells us in 1 Thessalonians He tells that church to rejoice evermore. In other words, my rejoicing should be continual. It's continual. It's ongoing. Remember what we said at the beginning? To rejoice is a choice. It means I'm choosing to rejoice. You say, Pastor Gary, I don't feel like it. I I, I get it. "I, I don't want to. I understand. It's a choice you have to make. It's a choice. And then here I want to give you this. And we're going to turn to these passages so you can see them. But it's also an outward expression. It's an outward expression. So the, these passages here that we, we looked at give us, give us the, the practice Of rejoicing. And there's many other. There's no time. We don't have time in one night to exhaust all the Bible talks about the practice of it. We're to practice it in sorrow, in community, in worship, to be continually done in our our everyday walk in life. But rejoicing is, is an outward expression. So Brother Richard said a minute ago, you've got to have joy. You've got to possess joy before you can first practice rejoicing. So it starts inward and moves itself how? Outward. It is an expression. Now, I I, I again I don't, I don't have any pretense of what it's supposed to look like. There are though, and I want you to turn I want you to turn to Luke 15, because there are a few instances in the Bible where we actually see an outward expression of rejoicing. And I just want to show you these and and then we'll call it a night. Now the first one, we're actually going to begin at the end of Luke 15. And uh, these passages in Luke 15 are familiar to all of us. We, we know them as the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And I, I want you to look with me, and we're going to start at the last story of the prodigal son. And so um, let's pick up in verse, um, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat. And say those next three words and be what? Mary, Mary. the word Mary there is. Is the idea of rejoice. And let us rejoice. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be what? Mary. They began to rejoice. And so we see the the first picture that we see here that that when when the son, this prodigal son, came back home to his father, that his father said, Hey, bring the best robe and and bring the ring and bring the shoes. And by the way, get the fatted calf. We're throwing a party. We're going to rejoice all together because my son who was dead is now alive. And we're going to all come together and we're going to celebrate this wonderful victory together. So the... One picture of rejoicing, one outward expression of rejoicing is a collaborative, everyone coming together, everyone uh, circling the wagons, everyone coming in unison together to celebrate together this victory in this family's life, in this young man's life, in this father's life. Now, I don't know if, it's like, I meant, meant, like I said this morning, I can talk about Baptists because that's all I've ever been. We don't do too well at this. Uh, we, we, don't throw, we don't throw parties very good. Uh, we, we, we're kind of scared of parties. Even the word party, it's like, oh, well, you know, sounds worldly. <laughs> Listen, we're, we're not talking about, we're not talking about going crazy, okay? Here, this father came. Together and brought the look at what he said. Hire servants, you come, family, you come, friends, you come. Listen, we're killing, the, we're killing the cow. You ever killed a cow? That's a lot of meat. They're bringing everybody in. We're gonna celebrate and make merry and make rejoicing together. Listen, I don't know what it looked like. I don't, I don't, and, and forgive me, I know this is going online and YouTube and Facebook. I don't know if they danced. I don't know what they did. All I know is this. They, they rejoiced together. They celebrated together. And I think that's what we're missing in the Christian life is that we do not celebrate the wins like we should in our Christian life. We don't celebrate them together. We, we live I'm afraid that most of our Christianity is lived on this surface level. Meaning, hey, how are you today? Oh, praise the Lord, I'm good. No, you're not. You lie like a rug. But we, we live on this surface level because we're afraid if we, we get too deep with anybody that they're going to start talking about things that I, frankly, really don't want to hear. I don't have time for that. And, and that is, that's, that's not the Christianity that Jesus gave us. Rejoice with those rejoice and weep with those that weep. That's getting below the surface. That's saying, hey, brother, you know what? You're having a hard time. Hey, let's let's just find a room. Let's find a pew. Let's find somewhere. Let's pray together. Hey, you had a great week. God did some wonderful things. Hey, let's celebrate that. Let's let's rejoice together. Praise the Lord for that. That's wonderful. Tell me about it. What did God do? How did it work out? How did he move? What, What did you pray about? And you're celebrating corporately and lifting those successes and what I call wins up and what God has done. So you, you have this corporate rejoicing. Uh, go back up, same, same passage, Luke 15. And go back up to verse... Um, go to verse 8. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, and she lose, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, What? Rejoice. Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Amen. What I see here is this woman who lost this coin finds the coin and she, watch this, she invites particular ones in to rejoice with her. She, she maybe, and I'm going to use these words that we're familiar with, she has a network of friends. She has a growth group she attends. She, she has a ladies' Bible study she goes to. Men, she has men's prayer group that, that he attends. And, and there's a network of, of people that, that, that she talks to regularly and, and shares and, and, and encourages. And, and this, this event happened in her life. And she called them together. She brought them together to, for them to rejoice with her. Sometimes there's things in our lives that we rejoice about that may not be church wide it may not be party style of rejoicing but it needs to be rejoicing with a network of people that we're close to that we can celebrate this with. Why would you do that? Why why would you see the need to do that? Because your rejoicing encourages others to rejoice. See, not only see, it's not always about me, it's about others as well. And so my rejoicing can encourage others to rejoice. My celebrating the wins that God brings in my life can help others celebrate the wins that God brings in their life. And then the third thing is in Luke, both found in Luke 1 and in Acts 16. And uh, go, go back to Luke 1 if you would, and we're done after this. And you can go home and get your peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> in Luke 1, we, we see in verses 26 through 38 that the angel comes to Mary... And reveals to Mary that she's highly favored, and she's going to bring forth a son. And they'll call his name Jesus. And verse 32, he'll be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And of course, she asks the question, how, how is this possible? And, and the angel tells her, and, and then look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the hand may the Lord beat unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. Then she goes to her cousin's Elizabeth's house. And shares the news with Elizabeth. But look at verse 46. Look at what Mary begins to do. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath what? Rejoiced. Rejoiced. Where? In God my Savior. Who Who was Mary rejoicing to? She was rejoicing to God. Sometimes... Our rejoicing is personal between me and God. See, there are some things that are just between me and God. Now, I went backwards on purpose. Because we can find it real easy to be where Mary is and keep it close. But rejoicing is is an outward expression. Corporately, it's an outward expression with a close network of friends... And rejoicing is also something personal between you and God. But know this church. Rejoicing is always, always an outward expression. It is meant to be expressed. Either personally, with God, in a group of friends, or corporately with a group of people. In Acts chapter 16, we see the same thing when the jailer, Remember him we talked about this morning, Philippian Jailer? What did he do? He, the Bible says, he rejoiced. He rejoiced. See, rejoicing is to be expressed. The mode, the mode of our outward expression is not as important as the possession of joy. And so my question to you, again, as I mentioned this morning, is the same question tonight. What is it that is distracting you from the reality of joy in your life? What is it that is distracting you from the reality of joy in your life? And here I want to give you a second follow-up to think about this week. What is inhibiting me from experiencing From expressing joy? What is inhibiting me? What is keeping me from rejoicing outwardly? What is holding you back? Embarrassment? Shame? Uncomfortableness? It's funny. It's funny how uncomfortable we are as Christians, you know? Things that make us so uncomfortable... We're, we're reserved or, or we're, we're uncertain or we're shy. And, and uh, listen, I, it's how many of you... And don't raise your hand. Just I want to see you smile when I say this, okay? How many of you sing in the shower? I see some smiles already. How many of you sing in the car with the radio going? Do you know, you know why you feel free to do that? Because no one else is there. I feel free to do that because no one is there, so no one's going to tell me how bad I sound. No one's going to make fun of me. No one's going to care if I'm off tune. No one's going to say anything, how those weren't the right words. And and so we just kind of feel free and we just let it loose because you know what, no one's there and no one's going to judge me. And so we feel free. Do you know, church, here's what the psalmist said we said this morning, Psalm 16. Psalm 16. In the presence of God is fullness of joy. Do you know if you have the Spirit of God who the Son sets free? He he told the Galatian church over and over again where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there's freedom. And what Paul is expressing here is, listen, you need to live, you need to operate within the Christian life as if you were singing in the shower by yourself. Like you're singing in the car when no one's there. You need to live your Christian life outwardly that way. Well, what will people think? What do they think anyway? It doesn't matter what they think. Well, they're going to they're laugh at me. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to do that anyway. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is I'm living out the gospel Rejoicing is living out the gospel. I'm expressing the goodness of God no matter the circumstances. I'll give you this one story and I'm done. I was uh, working, and I've told this story many times, but I was working in a mobile home plant. Mobile home. You, might know, you know what a mobile home is? Double wide, single wide mobile home. I, I, I grew up in a, in a trailer. I, I grew up in a mobile home all my life. And, uh, you know, we, were, we would be called trailer trash back in those days, you know. And uh, that's what we did. We grew up in trailers and mobile homes. And, and, uh, and I was working in a, in a time in my life and uh, between ministries, I got a job at a mobile home manufacturing plant in Lake City, Florida. And I remember going into this place and honestly, I told my wife this many times, walking on that property, you could feel the demonic oppression. These are some of the most wicked people I've ever met in one place. I mean, wicked. I mean, the girls made me blush. It was that bad. And it's one man that was working in my area. um, My job when I first started was I had to load up these bathroom cabinets and push them to the mobile home and then stick them into the right trailer. And then the guy would come behind me and install them. And so one day, uh, I was pushing my cart, and this, this older gentleman, probably in his, maybe his, at the time, 50s, late 50s, early 60s, he says, why don't you get mad when they talk to you that way? And this guy had just cursed me out and, and yelling at me. And he says, why don't you get mad and cuss at him back? I said, because I don't cuss. What do you mean you don't cuss? I said, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I don't cuss. And I just kind of went on my way. Well, the bell rang. It was lunchtime and we ate in our areas where we, where we built the cabinets. And I was sitting there eating my lunch. And he come up to the table and says, what do you mean you're a believer in Jesus Christ? And I got to share the gospel with him. You see, the, the way we live our lives outwardly is an expression of the gospel. And the way you do your Christian life can be in an expression of the goodness of God no matter the circumstances. Now, if you ask me, Hey, Gary, when that guy cussed you out, do you want to smack him? You better believe it. Ain't no doubt about it. I would be real. I ain't no doubt about it. I wanted to lay him out. I want to have a holy healing meeting. But that's not what we do. What we would do is Though need be, in a season of manifold temptations, we greatly rejoice. Do you see it? That's the practice. Are you practicing rejoicing in your life? Bow your heads with me if you would tonight. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You, you know this time, a time to reflect and respond to God's spirit in your life. And I just want to ask you one question. And then just give you an opportunity to respond. How's your rejoicing? How's your rejoicing? What kind of season are you in right now? Uh, I'm sure some of you, in a crowd this big, I'm sure some of you are in a heavy, heavy season. Manifold, different, varying trials and struggles right now. Maybe with your health, or your finances, or your, your marriage, or your job, or a child, or A grandchild or uh, just not knowing what the future holds and maybe you just you got things going on that you haven't even told anybody are you rejoicing how's your expression of rejoicing today are you willing to go below the surface with people in this building are you willing to go weep with those who weep and rejoice with those that rejoice Are you willing to corporately express joy in the Lord? If you say, Pastor, I've really struggled with that. Then won't you just say, Jesus, would you help me this week? Would you give me opportunities this week to express joy, to rejoice in the Lord this week? Would you do that? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the time to be in your word. Thank you for this opportunity to share with open, but I always love preaching to them and teaching them. The Lord is so receptive and they, they listen well, they, they respond well. And Lord, we're, we have one more time tonight to, to respond. And, and Lord, I just pray that whatever you're doing in the hearts of your people, that from this Sunday moving forward, that we would strive, that we would uh, see the the necessity to be a people that is, a rejoicing people that is expressing the joy, that overflowing joy that you put inside all of us. And Lord, to flesh that out experientially in our lives. And we'll thank you for it. Let's stand together, heads about, eyes are closed.